I had a woman working for me. She said, Michael, if you keep screaming and shouting at me, I'm going to leave the room. And that was the turning point, realizing, oh my God, I'm screaming and shouting. I wasn't even aware of how aggressive and how unkind I was being. Hello, and welcome to Working It from the Financial Times with me, Isabel Berwick. We British are an angry lot, and that anger is showing up in the workplace. Recent data shows we're angrier in the office than our European and North American counterparts. It's something that Mike Fisher, who you just heard at the top of the show, knows all about. He's lived in the UK for almost 40 years and co-founded the British Association of Anger Management. As you'll hear, he used to be very angry himself. We'll hear more from Mike Fisher in just a moment. First, though, for managers, the question is how to handle angry employees. And from an employee's point of view, how do we keep our emotions in check in the workplace? For answers, I spoke to Liz Fosleen. She's the co-author and illustrator of the best-selling books No Hard Feelings and Big Feelings, which look at how to embrace emotions at work. I started by asking her, what is it that makes people so angry in the office? All kinds of things. (laughs) And often they're seemingly small, and it's usually an indication that that's the final straw of something that's been building up over time. So when my co-author and I, we interviewed 1,500 people for a second book about anger from all different backgrounds. And often it was things like they sent me an email after hours. Um, It was a Slack message where they just didn't know where to find the file. And it's usually not that specific thing that causes the anger. It's more symbolic of something that's been happening for a long time. But then there's also, you know, really big things, harassment at work, feeling powerless to do anything, feeling like there's an unfair decision that's been rolled out. Um, So it's a mix, but usually if it's a seemingly small thing, it's because of a larger unaddressed issue. And is that because people squish down their emotions at work? You know, is this the effect of that? Definitely. So emotions in general, many of us, especially, you know, older generations have been, and I put myself in that category too, many of us have been taught that to express emotion is unprofessional. So I definitely grew up being told that to be professional, you don't fail, you don't fuss, and you certainly do not feel. And that applies to anger too, but there's an additional layer over anger, which is that many of us have also come to believe that anger is a bad or negative emotion because we equate it with violence or losing control. That leads us to suppress it or pretend like we're not feeling it. And yes, I'm not advocating that you should lash out or act on your anger, but it is really important to understand what's causing it. Some of those aggravating events are probably familiar to you. Sometimes it's serious stuff that winds us up, and sometimes it's something innocuous that just happens to be the final straw. How bad can the consequences of our anger be? Well, let's go back to Mike Fisher, who you heard earlier. As I mentioned, these days he's the founder and director of the British Association of Anger Management. I have a background in counselling, psychotherapy and group facilitation and coaching. I have a huge amount of experience in the field of anger management because of my own history of anger. And uh, when I started to address my anger, there was nothing really out there. I was very angry prior to actually addressing my anger I had a serious problem because I was an imploder. So essentially, I was very passive aggressive. If you're passive aggressive, you tend to turn it inwards and you implode. I switched from being an imploder to an exploder. We tend to implode until we eventually explode. 
I had a therapy center prior to anger management. I was an absolute monster to work for because I was such a perfectionist. And if people didn't reach or achieve the standards that I had created for myself, you know, God forbid. I had a woman working for me. She said, Michael, if you keep screaming and shouting at me, I'm going to leave the room. And that was the turning point, realizing, oh, my God, I'm screaming and shouting. I wasn't even aware of how aggressive and how unkind I was being. Mike has overseen anger management courses for years. What does he recommend for workers who are feeling rage? What I usually say to people is that anger is not going to go away. You've got to do the work. But keep in mind, anger management is fundamentally just a portal. That's all it is. When you attend our programs, one of the things that you'll identify, you know, you don't have just an anger issue. You also have stress issues. You have low self-esteem issues. You have confidence issues. You have insecurity issues. I say to people, anger does not go away. It just gets worse. And you know how stubborn the British are. (laughs) I do. But it's like any crisis, isn't it? You have to hit rock bottom. Unfortunately, that is the case. And by the way, that's heartbreaking because the impact and the price that people have to pay, you know, from a mental health perspective, not just the person that has an anger issue, but their family, their team members, their staff, people in the streets, people on call centers, you know, the idea of just acting your anger out wherever you go, eventually it's going to catch up with you and you're going to have to do the work, whether you come to us as an organization or whether you go somewhere else. But it does not go away. It just gets worse. So essentially, if you have the power to be angry in the workplace, you might well be. Now we're talking about power and control. Where I have power and I can use it against others, I can abuse others and I can get away with it, I will do so. Where I don't have power in the workplace, I'll take it home, I'll suck it in in the workplace, I'll take it home and I'll dump it on my family until the wife or the husband or whoever it might be says, you know what, no more, enough is enough. So both Liz and Mike say that when we do snap, it's often about something deeper, not just the event that's triggered us. Still, when we snap, we snap. When that moment comes, what should we do? Here's Liz. So I would say what's not productive is to feel really angry and lash out at the person verbally, definitely not physically, but even with words, it can be very hurtful. Often in the heat of the moment, it's something we don't necessarily intend to say. It's not going to help us move forward with that individual. And words are like toothpaste. Once they're out, you can't put them back in the tube. So allowing yourself to calm down. Also in the heat of the moment, research shows we tend to make less you know, rational decisions because we're overtaken by these stress hormones and by this adrenaline that makes us act more rash than we would like in other situations. You've spoken about the idea that anger can be channeled to positive effect. So how should an employee or a manager look to turn workplace frustration into something positive? Yeah, so the fundamental idea there is that, yes, anger, often there's some violation that has occurred or there's something that you deserve to feel frustrated about. So first, it's giving yourself permission to feel anger. And then especially if you're a manager, if someone seems very frustrated trying to understand why. So that's one way, which is, especially if you're a leader, seeing frustration, especially around processes, not people, as, oh, there's probably something going wrong here that maybe we actually can improve. Another way to use your anger strategically is 
to really figure out what's driving that anger and then address that need. It's a really common thing that we hear is, you know, I was passed over for a promotion and I was really upset. And so I used that energy to apply for a ton of other jobs and actually ended up in a much better position with a higher salary. So it's, you know, not suppressing it, not lashing out, but really thinking through what is the best next step for me and how can I use some of this motivation that is coming from my anger for the better. I asked Liz what her advice would be if you're face to face with a colleague or boss who's getting heated. Maybe they're even getting a little intimidating. She told me about a woman who'd attended a workshop she was running along with her co-author and collaborator, Molly West Duffy. Funnily enough, that workshop attendee did something remarkably similar to the employee that Mike Fisher talked about earlier in the show. She sat down with her boss and made it clear how his anger was affecting her. Her boss, you know, tended to explode in anger, not even always at her, but just in general, and then would start shouting. And she finally sat him down and said, when you have these big, intense emotional expressions, it affects my performance and it hurts my ability to do my job because it really flusters me. And he was very receptive to that. And it really helped him realize that that was hurting the people around him and also hurting their productivity. So he was able to stop doing it as much. I don't think that Liz and Mike are talking about the same woman, but clearly sitting an angry colleague down and asking them to stop is an option worth considering. But what if you don't think that colleague will be receptive to a conversation? Here's Liz. So sometimes it's more, okay, how do I distance myself from this person? Maybe I can switch to a different team. Maybe you do need to find a different job. And that's not the answer I would love to give. But unfortunately, that is sometimes a situation that happens. So as much emotional, physical distance. And then ultimately, there are some cases in which you need to build a protective suit around yourself. So that might be finding colleagues who value you, who can support you until you're able to switch to a completely different position. How important is it to be able to put yourself in the other person's shoes, even if that anger is directed at you? How, how can you do that? You don't always need to address the situation in the moment. So it might be, hey, I see you're having a strong reaction. Why don't you take a minute? Why don't we come back to this? I don't want to let this slide. I definitely want to understand where you're coming from. But again, why don't you think a little more, um, take some time, but I do want to come back to this. And then make sure you do that, right? In your next one-on-one or even later that day or later that one-on-one, right? Like maybe it's just you go to a different topic and come back to it. But it's really important to say, can you share more about what's happening and where I can help you? Um, Because often, again, it's because the person cares a lot or because there really is some big violation that has occurred. I also want to flag crying at work as part of this conversation. Women or people identify as women overwhelmingly say, I cry at work, not because I'm sad, but because I've reached the end of the road, right? I'm so angry and so frustrated because I don't feel heard. I don't feel like anyone's listening or implementing my ideas. And so again, I think it's important too, if you're a manager to keep in mind that you might not actually totally understand what someone's going through or where they're coming from. And you might not be the best interpreter of their emotions. And so not making assumptions, but actually saying, hey, you're having a strong reaction. Can you tell me more where that's coming from? Because I want to support you and I want to understand. Why do you think anger in the workplace is on the rise? I think anytime there's a lot of stress, 
we tend to feel more angry. Just if you're in an emotionally heightened state, you're more likely to feel frustrated. There's a lot of uncertainty. Every organization I've spoken with is having a hard time planning for the future. They're doing reorgs, maybe even layoffs. So I'd say that general climate will breed more frustration. And then I think there's also, you know, we're seeing this with a lot of the return to office mandates. I think we made a lot of advances in the pandemic around flexibility, around talking about mental health at work, often for the first time. And now some companies are starting to walk that back. And so I do think there's a sense of betrayal among employees of, you know, we took one step forward and now are we taking two steps back, right? We showed we could be productive from home. We showed that it was really positive to talk about our anxiety, our feelings with one another. We can't unlearn that. So why are employers suddenly demanding that we do? This has been such an interesting episode to record. I am an avoidant person. I don't get angry very often and I run from anger where I see it in others. But I think talking to Liz and Mike has helped me to realise that anger is just a symptom of something else. And it's good to find out what's going on with that person. If you can sit them down and have a conversation when you're both feeling calm, that could help matters enormously. I think going forward, I'm going to look at anger in a really different way. And I hope you've found this episode useful too. With thanks to Liz Fosline and Mike Fisher for this episode. If you've been enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. For a limited period, we're making the links to certain stories about work and careers free. Follow the links in the note to this episode to read them. Join me and a host of FT journalists and guests at the FT Weekend Festival on Saturday, September the 2nd at Kenwood House in North London. We'll be recording a live edition of the Working It podcast and I'll be joining Claire Barrett to record a live edition of Money Clinic. There are 10 stages of talks, demonstrations and debates to enjoy all day. Claim £20 off your festival pass using the promo code FTPodcast at ft.com forward slash festival. I look forward to seeing you there. This episode of Working It was produced by Misha Frankel Duval and mixed by Simon Panay. The executive producer is Manuela Saragossa and Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio. Thanks for listening.